Welcome back. It's good to see you all this morning. We are going to be back in the book of Judges this morning. Continuing our series, Christianity 101, learning how to walk a walk of faith, to walk with God daily. We're going to be in Judges chapter 6 this morning. Judges chapter 6 and verse number 25. Last week, we saw the angel of the Lord come down and introduce himself to Gideon. As Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine, in the, by the wine press to hide it from the Midianites, the Lord told Gideon that he was going to deliver Israel from the hand of Midian and that Gideon uh, was a little unsure of all of this. <clears throat> but with some convincing, Gideon believed the Lord and offered a sacrifice to him and God accepted the sacrifice with fire and then left Gideon. And Gideon built an altar unto the Lord. We are late. Did you tell my wife that? <laughs> so we saw that the angel of the Lord came down and uh, reminded Gideon or told Gideon that he was going to use him to deliver Israel from the Midianites and Gideon took a little convincing uh, but when Gideon did finally believe, he offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, and the, the Lord accepted that sacrifice by fire. And then Gideon understood and built an altar to the Lord and called it Jehovah, Jehovah Shalom, or the Lord of Peace. Uh, this week, the Lord is going to put Gideon's new faith to work. So we need to remember that faith without works is dead. If you turn with me to James 2... We will see this. Change to and verse number 17. The Bible says, Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, that which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works, when she had received the messengers, and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now that's not saying that uh, works are required for salvation. It is saying that works are required for faith. Uh, if you have faith, then you place your faith in something and you show your faith. Uh, a couple of weeks ago we were down at the park for the, uh, the kids night and I stepped up on those boards and was showing you that 
you have to place your full weight and trust on something in order to have faith in it. Um, and we have to make sure that we place our faith in the right things. And we're going to see that a little bit today as we go through Judges chapter 6. But Gideon's faith needs to be exercised. Gideon is now at a point where he is a new babe in the Lord. He is just understanding that the Lord God is God, that he is all that his father had told him, all of it, all that his parents had told him, all that uh, the elders had told him of what God had done, he is that God. And Gideon is now going to begin to walk that walk of faith. And we're going to see some stumbles here and there, and we're going to see some victories, and uh, it's going to be an amazing picture of us uh, as we walk through this. But it's time to exercise Gideon's faith. Judges 6 and verse number 25 is where we're going to start today. The Bible says, And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it, and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place, and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove, which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. And so it was, because he feared his father's household and the men of the city, that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. <clears throat> Verse number 28, And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down, and the grove was cut down that was by it, and the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, Who hath done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, hath done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son, that he may die, because he hath cast down the altar of Baal, and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. And Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will ye plead for Baal? Will ye save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death whilst it is yet morning. If he be a god, let him plead for himself because one hath cast down his altar. Therefore on that day he called him Jerubbabel, saying, Let Baal plead against him, because he hath thrown down his altar. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for this glorious day. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. Lord, we thank you that we can have your word, a more sure word of prophecy, that we don't have to rely on uh, the teachings of our parents, the teachings of our elders. Lord, that we can know it know your word for ourselves that we can hold it in our hands and we can have that personal relationship with you lord i pray as we study gideon and we see the beginning steps of his personal walk with you his conversations with you i pray that you would help us uh, to see and understand where we are in our own walk and help us to continue to move forward to continue to exercise our faith to continue to help it grow so God, please, guide and direct today. Uh, help us as we go through this lesson. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, the Bible tells us in verse number 25 that it was the same night that God came to Gideon and said, Gideon, go throw down the altar. Gideon had just witnessed the Lord accept his sacrifice and built an altar to him. And, and when God gives him this next step of obedience... It's time for Gideon to put his newfound faith to action. 
And the Lord instructs Gideon to throw down the altar of Baal that was his father's, to cut down the grove that belonged to his father. Essentially, he's saying, cut your ties with your father's religion. Now, there's a lot going on here. Gideon is going to have to build an altar. And we're going to see a lot of trepidation, a lot of fear, with hopefully some encouragement through all of this. But let's start at the beginning. The angel of the Lord had just left, and now Gideon is speaking to God, and God is giving him specific instructions. Now, we've seen God speak audibly before. Uh, God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. God spoke audibly to Abraham. God spoke audibly to Isaac, to Jacob, to Noah. But God hadn't spoken audibly to people in a very long time. Now, we have... Uh, In the book of Judges, we have Deborah the prophetess who should have been speaking to God. We know that uh, she tells um, Barak that, uh, I wanted to say Balaam, but it's not Balaam, it's Barak, that God had already told him to go and fight. Uh, We see that God spoke audibly corporately to the whole nation of Israel. But here, God is speaking to an individual heart. And that's the most important thing for us. God has to speak to us. God has to be our God. When I was little, uh, mom and dad and I were camping out at Twin Anchors and over by Colo, and I broke my arm. And there's a whole really stupid but funny story about that that I'm not going to get into this morning. But I broke my arm, and I spent the majority of the summer in a cast with a cast on my left arm. And when I got that cast off, it was disgusting. Arm was full of sand. and But the biggest thing was... It was about half the size of my other arm because I broke it at the elbow, so my cast was from here all the way down over my fingers. And I could not use any of the muscles in my arm. So they had, they had shriveled, they had died because they weren't being used, they weren't being exercised. It's called atrophy. And we talked a little bit last week about how the world does not get better when it's left to itself. The world decays. Uh, anything that was made by God, as it goes through time, it decays. It never, uh, and that this is one of the reasons why evolution is not absolutely not possible, because it, we don't grow into something else. We decay into what we were. Uh, the Bible tells us that we were created from the dust of the ground, and the dust we're going to become one day. But God here is immediately asking uh, Gideon to exercise his faith So that, one, it will grow, and two, that it won't atrophy. But Gideon has to take this step of faith himself. Nobody else can do it for him. His servants can't do it for him. His, His father can't do it for him. He has to take this step of faith for himself. And these are his, this is his first step. It's, it's a wobbly first step for a new believer. It's hesitant. It's fearful. He's leaving his father's religion. He's likely to bring his father's wrath. But in this case for him, pleasing 
his heavenly father is far more important. We need to understand that as God speaks to us, as God, we make our faith our own. We make our faith in God ours and not somebody else's. That the first place that we need to be is we need to be a witness to our families. It's no mistake that God told Gideon to sacrifice his father's bullock and to throw down his father's altar and to cut down his father's grove. It's because his father's religion had a sway over Gideon. His father himself had a sway over Gideon. Because Gideon, as a young man, would be obedient to his father. Now, we don't know exactly how old Gideon is at this point. I would guess he's in his early 20s, but uh, that's just me. But Gideon, Gideon has to remove himself from underneath all of that. Rachel and I, uh, a couple of years ago, we got really burdened for, for my family. And uh, the first place we went was my grandparents because we didn't believe that they had much time left. They've uh, outlived the time that we thought they had, but uh, we still believe they don't have much time left. But as we sat in their living room that day and, and just bluntly asked them where they were going to go when they died, they both immediately said heaven. My grandfather was still... Um, with it he he was still uh had the the dementia hadn't progressed as far as it has now and he was able they were both able to give us a very clear salvation testimony uh but the thing that struck me was they got saved as teenagers but i never heard it now obviously i wasn't there when they got saved they're quite a bit older than i am but but they didn't pass that on. They didn't share that news with their family. They made sure to take their kids to church, and they made sure to try and take their grandkids to church, but they didn't ever tell them what God had done personally for them. So when I got saved in 2007, I believed wholeheartedly that I was a first-generation Christian in I believe that I was the first in my family to place my faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. Only to find out eight years later that that wasn't the case. In Mark chapter 5, the maniac of Gadara has been healed and is seeking to go with Christ when he leaves. But Christ sends him home to his friends and his family, to those who are closest to him. We must understand that it's our job to be a witness through word and deed, but not to do the saving. It's, it's our job to go and to witness to our families, to tell them what God has done for us, to tell them what God has done for them. But we also have to understand that it's not up to us to do the saving. I've When I got saved, I went and I bought my mom a Bible, and I went and highlighted a bunch of passages, and and I bought my dad a Bible and I went and highlighted a bunch of passages and I gave them both to them as gifts and, and spent a lot of time witnessing to my dad uh, to the point where my dad told me never to do it again. Um, it's not that he doesn't 
talk about God, well, he doesn't generally, um, it's that he doesn't want to hear me talk about God. It's not that he doesn't love me, that he, he isn't proud of what I'm doing. He, I've talked to him, I've told him as we move back. He wanted to know why we're moving back. And I'm open and honest with the fact that we are moving back solely to start a church. And he's proud of that. He's proud that I'm living the life that I feel that God wants me to live. He's just not going to live that life. And for a little bit, when he first asked me to stop witnessing to him, it really broke my heart. But then I came to understand that it's not up to me. I had done my job. I had done what God had asked me to do. I had fulfilled my task. Now it's up to Him. But I haven't stopped witnessing. I may have stopped verbally speaking to Him and verbally telling Him about the Lord, but I'm still witnessing through my life. He's still watching my life and seeing God work in my life and in our lives He's still being witnessed to. And God is still working on him. And I pray that one day he will get saved. But not only are we to go to our family and to make sure that we're witnessing to them, and we're to go and understand that it's not us that does the saving, that it's God and God alone that does the saving, that we are just called to live a life wholly given to him to be that witness. We also need to understand that our family's salvation doesn't depend on us. Because it's not up to us to do the saving, it's not up to us for them to get saved. These guys, my children right here, they're not saved because I'm saved. They're not saved because I'm a pastor. They're not saved because I chose to follow God. They're saved because they chose to be saved. It was that personal relationship. Hey. Our families and our friends are far less likely to get saved if we don't live a life that glorifies the witnesses to God. The men of the city... Gideon's own father didn't suddenly change their attitudes towards God because Gideon cut down the grove, because Gideon threw down the altar of Baal, because he offered a, a, a bullock to God on an altar that he had built. They didn't suddenly say, oh no, we were wrong, we need to follow God. But that was Gideon's act of faith. That was Gideon's living his life that has an effect on them. Our actions and our words are the witness. Gideon also shows us that the steps of faith are not without fear and worry. It tells us plain as day that Gideon did this by night. He took ten of, ten of his servants and he went by night and, and cut down the grove and threw down the altar and made the sacrifice on the new altar that he had built for God at night because he was afraid of the city. But he still obeyed God. 
the definition of courage is not courage is not acting without fear. Courage is acting in spite of fear. Now, had God said, go at noon and perform this, do this task in the middle of the day, and Gideon said, no, I'm going to go do it at midnight, Gideon would have been disobeying God. But God didn't tell him that. God just simply said, throw down the altar. Cut down the grove. God understood where Gideon was in his life. God understood where he was in his walk, that he was brand new, learning to walk with him. And understood that he was afraid. Now we also need to understand that fear doesn't come from God. Fear comes from Satan. But because we still have our natural bodies once we're saved, and Satan was the God of this world, the ruler of this world, and the ruler of our lives until our salvation, we're still going to have that fear. That fear is only going to go away when we get to heaven and we are uh, glorified for eternity with God. And honestly, Gideon's fears are not unfounded. Because now the men of the city are seeking to kill him. We have to understand that the only fear that is sin is fear that keeps you from serving God how he asks you to. Gideon now is, I'm assuming, in hiding because he's not out here in front of all these men as they're trying to, uh, trying to find him and kill him. As a matter of fact, they go to Joash, his father, and, and demand that excuse me, demand that Gideon is brought out so that they can kill him. They're ready for an old-fashioned lynching. But Joash gets their attention and asks the crowd, will you plead for Baal? Will ye save him? He's essentially saying, is, is your God so weak that you have to defend him? He's supposed to be all-powerful. He's the one that we pray to and we sacrifice to so that our crops come in, so that, so that we're safe, so that he protects us. Yet we're protecting him? Now make no mistake, Joash is not turning away from Baal. Joash is not taking up and, and protecting Gideon. I think there's probably a little bit there. But I think Joash is clinging to every scrap of his religion that he can. He's trying to convince the men that are seeking to kill his son that Baal is powerful. He's trying to keep them from following Gideon in, their, in his faith. What are they trusting in if Baal can't take care of himself? We never see Joash turn away from Baal. I don't think, I don't remember for sure, but I don't think we ever hear from Joash again. The grove and the altar belong to Joash. And I believe like Pharaoh, he is trying as hard as he can to disprove who God is. If you remember back in Exodus when 
Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, Let my people go, speaking on behalf of God. And they performed all those miracles that Pharaoh had his magicians perform the miracles. Do the exact same things. Moses threw the rod down and it turned to a snake. The magicians did the same thing, but Moses' rod devoured all theirs. They matched everything, miracle for miracle, until it was time to create life from nothing. Until it was time to create the mites, the fleas from the dust. His magicians couldn't do that. But then also remember the last plague. The Passover, when God told Israel to kill the Passover lamb and sprinkle the blood on the doorposts and the lintel of the door. And then as long as you remained inside the home that was sprinkled with blood, the death angel would pass by you. And the Lord went through and killed the firstborn of everything in the land, the firstborn of the cattle, the firstborn of the Egyptians, the firstborn of any Jew that was not hidden under the blood. God himself did that. He didn't put that on Moses and Aaron. He pled for himself. We're going to see again in uh, the time of Elijah, Elijah, in 1 Kings. Let's turn over there real quick. 1 Kings 18. I love this story. It shows God's sense of humor. but also God's seriousness. 1 Kings 18 and verse number 21. The Bible says, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elisha unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on wood, and put it on, put no fire under, and I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under, and call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves and dress it first, for ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it and called on the name of Baal from morning even till noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leapt upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry cry aloud. For he is a God, either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth, and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets, till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass, when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. And Elisha said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came 
saying, Israel shall be thy name. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as when contained two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, Do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran down around about the altar and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the evening offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known that this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things of thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear that is that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. And the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them and Elijah brought them down to the book Brook Kishon and slew them there. Elijah had God answer for himself because our God is all powerful. Our God is God. But this also shows us just how careful we must be in what we place our faith in. Now, we might not be worshiping Baal himself. But we worship our money, we worship our hobbies, we worship our families, we worship our jobs. Anything that takes our time is something that we worship. It's vital that we understand that only God, the creator of the universe, has the power to act for himself, and only he deserves our worship. Gideon is taking those first shaky steps of faith. And we're going to see uh, next week as we get into uh, the fleeces, we're going to see that uh, what many people would consider a failing in Gideon. I don't. But we're going to see Gideon progress. His faith is going to grow. And it's going to grow. And it's going to grow. As he exercises his faith, God gives him more and more. But God is still there. We must never forget, as we study through all of this, and we see all the great things that God does, as we talked about God using Moses and Aaron, and God using Noah to build the ark, and God doing all of these great things, that God chooses to use us as the vessel for Him. He has the power to do all of those things. He could have spoken ark into existence and had Noah and the animals on it. But he chose to use Noah so that Noah could exercise his faith and follow him. Here, God can and does fight for Israel and destroys Midian. But he's choosing to use Gideon to make that happen. As we go throughout our week this week and, and 
go down to the park. We need to keep these truths from Gideon with us. We need to understand what our responsibility is. It is solely to give the word of God. To be the light that shows God to the world. To live and speak so that all of our conversation points to God. It's not our responsibility to get them saved. We have to make sure that our faith is where it needs to be all the time.